Um, this morning is kind of kicks off a series Marcus had mentioned last week, um, at the end of the service last week, kind of kick off a series uh, leading up to our ordination. So we're going to kick, kind of kick, kick that off here this morning. Um, we're going to look at the, the Scripture text for this whole next series is going to be based, the, or the, the main Scripture text is from Titus uh, chapter 1 and 1 Timothy chapter 3. So we'll get to that here in a little bit. But Brent, uh, two weeks ago, if you remember, if you were here, you remember what Brent preached about. He preached about the example that Jesus gives us in serving leadership. And I thought that was just a, a perfect segue into, into where we're going because Jesus gives us the greatest possible example of what leadership actually looks like. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So this morning, I've been assigned um, to talk about character. And specifically, we're talking about the character of a leader, a character of a pastor. Now, character, if you hear the word character, that's a really, really broad term. It's really big. So if I come up here this morning and I tell you that Jimmy is quite the character. What pops into your mind? I won't say whether that's true or not, but you, you get a picture. It could mean that he's just a clown, um, he's a funny guy, or it could be in a really negative sense where it means that he is a shady character, um, he's really sketchy. But what, what happens if I come up here and I tell you that Jimmy is a man of character, or that he has character. So what does that actually mean? But it's a completely different sound than that he is a character. Um, I want to start with just a, a little bit of a story. One of my heroes in my life is, was my, or is he passed away, is my grandpa Kaufman. Um, he's, he was one of my heroes. We grew up right next door to each other, and I spent a lot of time with him. And growing up with him right there, he wasn't, he wasn't a famous man, he wasn't, he wasn't a preacher, he, wasn't, he was just himself, but there was something in him that spoke really loudly, and I think it first dawned on me what it actually was. There was one day, I was probably, I'm guessing 16 or 17, I was right down here in Charm when it was still Herb's Archery, if any of you guys remember, remember that, and I was in there for whatever reason, but in the course of conversation, of course, everyone wants to know, who are you, right? So I was trying to explain who I am and whatever, and I, somehow I got to the point where Jonas Kaufman is my grandpa, and the response that he had was, now there's a man of character. And I think something clicked in, in my mind at that point. That is what stands out. And as I, maybe I listened for it more or was more aware of it, but over and over, when I would hear people talking about my grandpa, that was the word that was used to describe him, that he was a man of character. So today, as we, obviously we're, look, we're looking forward to an ordination, I think we do really well in looking at what Scripture says about what is asked or required of someone, of a pastor specifically, but leadership in general what it takes about, or what it says about character. So, if you would, turn to Titus chapter 1. I thought we should do a race, see so you can get to Titus 
first because that's a book that we very rarely turn to or, it's, or not often. It's just, in my Bible, it's on this page and right here. That's the whole book of Titus. So in Titus chapter 1, I'm just going to read that. And it, you, if you want to, you can um, at some point read 1 Timothy chapter 3. It's almost a parallel passage. Both of them are Paul describing in Timothy, obviously to Timothy. And here he's talking to Titus. Um, Titus has been left at Crete to establish the church and establish leaders in the church in all the different towns um, on the island or, or there in Crete. And so, Titus chapter 1, I'm just going to read verses 5 through 9, and then we'll go in and talk about some of this. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the, the charge of debauchery and insubordination, for an overseer is God's steward, must be above, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold himself, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Now, let me just at the outset here, it says it uses the word elders and it uses the word overseers. Another word that's used is um, the term is used bishops. Um, in Acts, it talks about shepherding. It talks about pastoring. Those words are all synonymous with the same position. So in, in Timothy, you'll, it'll also say overseer. Here you see elder and overseer. It's all talking, I believe, about the same position. Um, but what I want us to focus on here today is simply the character qualities that, um, that Paul is talking about and that God puts so much emphasis on here and why we should also place emphasis on character. Speaking of the character of a leader, um, Pastor Tim Chalice says this, and this is fairly long, but he's, I think he says it so well. He says, we cannot emphasize this too strongly or too often. We cannot overemphasize the primacy of character. A great many of the problems we see in the local church and global church today are caused by the failure to heed this simple principle. So many Christians could be spared so much trauma if only their churches would refuse to put a man in leadership who is lacking such character. So many congregations would be spared so much pain if they would only remove men who prove they don't have the kind of character that God demands. This failure to heed what God makes plain is a terrible blight on the Christian church. <coughs> and I, I read that, and it sounds incredibly heavy, but I think there's so much truth in that. When we talk about, often... We talk about the skills, the abilities, the giftings, and all those things, and those are very important. So don't ever hear me saying that those things aren't important, that they don't matter, because they do. But I think, and I believe Scripture would back it up, that at the crux of leadership is the issue of character. If you can destroy someone's character, and this doesn't matter if it's in the church, 
it doesn't matter what company or whatever your position of leadership is, if that person's character is destroyed or breaks down, what happens? Things just literally fall apart. And it saddens me because I see it over and over and over in churches where that has taken place, um, just all across our country especially. Um, Enduring Word Commentary says this about the text that we just read in Titus chapter 2. He says this, Going to seminary does not make one qualified for spiritual leadership. Being a good speaker does not make one qualified for spiritual leadership. Natural or spiritual gifts in and of themselves do not qualify one for spiritual leadership. What one gives in money or volunteer time does not qualify them for spiritual leadership. What qualifies a man for spiritual leadership is godly character. And then Paul lists some of these things out. It does not mean that those things aren't important. It does not mean those things aren't valuable and necessary in a lot of cases, but I don't think it's the most important. Let me read one more little paragraph from Tim Chalice, and then um, we'll move on into three different points that I'd like to bring out. From a human perspective, it's not difficult to understand why the church gets this wrong. We are naturally drawn to people of remarkable charisma and outstanding talent. We love to listen to naturally skilled communicators and to be led by accomplished leaders. We rejoice to bask in the residual glory of respected men and their noteworthy achievements. We convince ourselves, listen to this sentence here, we convince ourselves that our measure of success is undeniable proof of God's blessing, and we are willing to overlook character if we can only have results. We all desire results, and results are good, and I think they're necessary, but if we sacrifice character our at the, I'm sorry, if we get results, only get results at the expense of character, we do so at the demise of the church. So I'd like to simply spend a little bit of time with our text. How does God define godly character? Because that's huge. But then why does God place so much emphasis on godly character? Um, And then end up with the continual growth of character, because it's something that continues throughout your life. So if I would break down this, this list that I read to you here in Titus chapter 2, and I would take that list, and I would take the list from 1 Timothy chapter 3, there's a total of 20, 20 or 21, some of them could almost cross over each other. I came up with 21 qualifications that Paul gives here um, and these aren't, I don't think these are simply, these 21 must be there, nothing else matters. These are, they're a big picture for us to get about the qualifications of a leader. But of those 21, 19 of them are character, character traits or character issues. There's one that has to do with skill, and that is the ability to teach. There's one that has to do with experience, and that is that it's not a new believer. Everything else has to do with character. And I highlighted in my Bible, in verse 6 of Titus 1 that we read, it says this, if anyone is above reproach, and then he reiterates that again in verse 7, and you'll also see that very phrase 
in, um, in 1 Timothy chapter 3. That's kind of this big overarching character quality. And then all these other, this whole list of things, there's a whole list of things that we are not to be and a whole list of things that we must be if we're um, to be in that, that, these character qualities. But that above reproach is kind of that big umbrella, the big overview of what the character qualities are to be. So what is it to be above reproach? Above reproach does not mean to be without sin. If it means that, then we're all toast. Because none of us is there, obviously. But rather that a pastor is to give a life that is free from sinful behavior or patterns of behavior that would be a hindrance in setting the, an example that the church can follow. So if you would, if you would um, break down, I, I was trying to, trying to figure out, so how can, you, how can we break down this whole list into something that's actually manageable for us? Um, I came up with three different areas of our lives. I think because the issue of character covers every single area of your life. It covers um, you here today. It covers you tomorrow. All of it. But <laughs> even in the list that Paul gives, there are three different areas that, I, um, that it breaks down into. First of all, and I'm not going to go through and list them, but it, it speaks of your relationships at home. It speaks of your relationship with your wife, your relationship with your children. Those of us, for sure those of us who have children, our children pick up on hypocrisy faster than anyone else. They can sniff it a mile away. But it's in those relationships that are closest to us that our true character actually comes out. So that is often where it's revealed in its deepest sense. Character is, that he talks about here can be the character, is the character of your inner man. What is going on in your heart? That is a big chunk of what Paul talks about here. A person of character lives with an awareness of what, a go, what is going on and what is taking place in his own heart. There is a connection between the things going on in his head and the things going on in his heart, and there's a willingness to receive insight and correction from other believers. Then also speaks of just relationships in general, how your conduct affects the people around you Sunday morning, Monday morning, at work, at school, at home, wherever you may be. It speaks of how your character, your conduct impacts those relationships. I'll never forget um, back when we were first licensed, when we ended up doing an interview with the pastors who were, in, who were leading, leading the ordination there. I'll never forget being told that Coming into the interview, he said that he, was, he made a bunch of phone calls to a bunch of different people that I know, family, extended family, and people of business, whatever, to check about my character. And I was like, whoa. It's like it kind of took, gave me a shock, but now I understand why, because it's important. The conduct in life, in home, in church, every day, what takes place when no one else is around. All of that is an expression of our character, and all those things really, really matter. Um, I'll give a little bit more of a definition of character um, here a little bit later on. 
But back to this idea that someone is above reproach. It means that no one can honestly bring an accusation against his character. So think, think about that. How does someone live in godly character or express that, that an accusation, it has this idea that it can't stick. It's kind of like hanging a picture on a wall with no nail or no hook. It doesn't stick. It's just going to fall down. It won't stay. Um, an example of that would be, I know of a pastor who was, this was just an account that I read, who had made a hard decision. He said there was, there was a couple that wanted to be married, and one of them was not a believer, and he said, look, I just can't. He said, I can't do it. Several weeks later, he got a call from someone, and they started, I'd call it a smear campaign, if you will, that his wife was being unfaithful and that there was an affair going on trying to tear down his character. Nothing stuck. Not because, and it didn't stick because he had a great defense attorney who could just kind of gloss things over, push things off to the side. It's not that it didn't stick because he turned around and started bashing the other guy's character and don't, don't we see that all the time? When someone attacks you, your first instinct is to go after them, right? You want to attack their character, really go after them. That's not why it didn't stick. It stuck because of years and years and years of living a faithful life of godly character that there was no, there was, it was evident it was, that there was no truth to it. Now, there are times when there is a, character, a failure in character, and that must be called out. I believe that very, very strongly to the point where any time, and that, that one paragraph I read it, if a pastor does not live by that godly character that God demands, then it's probably best for the church that that pastor be removed. And if that's me, if I'm not living that, then the best thing you can do for yourselves and for me is to call that out. Don't let that stand. But the importance of character cannot be underemphasized or overemphasized. I'm sorry. So why does God place so much emphasis on it? Sorry, I need to move on here. Um, first of all, these are just two reasons that I have that why God places so much emphasis on godly character. Number one is one can only teach what he is living or what he has learned. If I'm not living something then I can't teach it to anyone else. The pastor who's living in an illicit affair has no authority to call the church to live lives of purity. A powerful sermon on generosity from a greedy pastor carries no weight, no matter how eloquent the sermon may sound. A pastor who is arrogant has no authority to call the church to humbly follow Christ. But on the flip side, a pastor who lives generously who leads with humility and kindness, is able to say like Paul did, follow Christ, follow me as I follow Christ. Character is the sermon that you preach every day of your life. Every day that you're living, you're preaching a sermon. The other reason why God places so much emphasis on character is we are to follow the example of Jesus. Someone can fake character for a while. You can, you can fake it for a while, but only so long. 
godly character over time, or true character over time, will be exposed and it will be shown. And that character, that kind of character that God requires and asks of us, not only of pastors, of leaders, but every person that's here, is something that flows from a deep inner change that has happened. It comes from a deep daily walk with Jesus. Philippians 2 um, talks, about, talks about that. It talks about having the mind of Christ that is... Um, he explains how we should live. Then he says this, "...have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus." So this mind, this mindset, the way that Jesus lived, the example that Jesus lived, is not something that you will ever be able to do on your own power. Absolutely not. We can only live that because it is ours in Jesus Christ. We are in Him who, though He was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He emptied Himself by taking the form of His servant. He was born in the likeness of men and being found in human form... He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Last or two weeks ago, <coughs> Brent talked about the example that Jesus set in washing the disciples' feet. Jesus led and served people because he saw people. That is not a natural human response. I am naturally, in my flesh is always going to look out for me first. True Christian character, true godly character, notices others first. Jesus led with love. He didn't lead for any selfish gain. Jesus sacrificed his own comfort for those he led. And he served with humility those who followed him. Those are things that only flow out of a deep relationship with Jesus. I mentioned just a little bit about what happens when a person's character Um, comes into question. And here's another reason why I believe it's so crucial for a church to have leaders who are people and men of character. Joel Rainey says it this way. He says, when your leadership is questioned based on your character, it won't matter how large your church is or what you've accomplished up to that point if your character isn't intact. Make sure that you are above reproach. That seems just insanely, insanely heavy. But what is, let me, just, let me just wrap it up with what is that character that is above reproach? Let me, um, just in, the clo- in closing with continued growth of character. So I said it before, I'll say it again because I want to be clear, and we'll talk about the, the giftings that are needed, the skills that are required, That'll come later, but my, the point today is simply to focus on character. And, it, and like I said, if skills are good, skills are important, abilities are necessary, but if character is missing, it all falls apart. So character, I would simply define this way. I missed this at the start. It is the sum of a person's thoughts and intentions, heart's desires and actions. The sum of a person's thoughts, their intentions, their heart's desire, and their actions. It's the whole of who you are. There's no separation between your internal life and what's happening 
in your external life. So as I, as I, as I talk about this, as I studied this, I, I, I struggled with it because there, there's no question that it feels a little odd to be up here as a pastor to talk about the requirements of a pastor because it can almost feel like a pastor needs to be on a completely different level spiritually, and that is not the case. That is absolutely not the case. What, what God is calling us to here in, in, first, in Titus 2 is for every single one of us. It's not just for the pastor, and it doesn't mean that a pastor is to be perfect. It doesn't mean that there is no sin in, the, in that person's life. It is the response to that. Most anyone can teach what the Bible says, but a person of character, but only a person of character can actually live what the Bible says. So the, the character qualities that he's talking about should not be intimidating. They shouldn't be uh, looked at as scary, but they should be taken seriously. It's not about a perfection, but about an awareness and a willingness to admit our own weakness. It's a willingness to see and to hear and to recognize our own brokenness. And perhaps that is the greatest character, greatest evidence of godly character is someone who lives with the awareness of their own brokenness and recognizes that it is only with the power of the Holy Spirit that we can live above sin and not fall to sin. And I would add, with the input of believers around us. Because we all, we all have blind spots. We need to have awareness of what's going on in our hearts, but we all have blind spots and we all need people in our lives who are able and willing to speak into that and then we need to be able to hear it and receive it and learn and grow from it. So at the end of the day, godliest character is not something that you finally attain to. It's like, wow, finally got there. It's much, it's almost the exact same thing as what we, how we talk about spiritual maturity. Someone who's spiritually mature does not suddenly reach a plateau and now they've actually gotten there and so now they're up here, so now they just coast. It is a continual lifestyle of change. And just in closing, it is a humility-driven desire to grow in deep, to grow deep in our relationship with Jesus every single day of our lives. It's this pattern of life that is continual growth and continually walking with Jesus. And because God places such a high value on our, us growing in character and in our spiritual, spiritual maturity, I believe we should as well. And so, as I, as I think about this and as I close this, my prayer for each one of us as individuals, in our own personal lives, in our homes, husbands, wives, moms and dads, even children, in our homes and into our church, is that we truly have a desire to grow in that relationship with Jesus every day, as parents, as husbands, as wives, as we model that to our children, as we model that in the workspace, as we model that in school, all of that um, 
is a display of the character, the growing character um, of God in each one of us. So that's my prayer for you and for us as a church. And that's why I believe it's so vital that we as a church, it's important. We want to see results, okay? But the, the greatest results that we can ever see the, great, the most important thing that we can ever see and hope for is people who are walking deeper with Jesus tomorrow than they were today and the next day and the next day and the next day. That is a process of life. It's a process that happens over time. It's a, it's a long walking with Jesus. It doesn't happen just, boom, we have quick results, and now, now I'm there, now I've attained. It's not that. And that's why I, I would call us as a church, to be focused on cultivating that deep relationship with Jesus. And out of that will flow results and stuff that will go way beyond whatever we can hope and imagine and come up with on our own. So God bless you guys. Thank you for listening um, this morning. I invite you to stand uh, for prayer, worship team. You can come on up. God, as we close out here this morning, um, I pray that you, your blessing would be on each person that's here today. And God, as we as a church together moving forward, I pray that as we, um, you, you would simply guide us into the future and guide us, God, and give us each a desire, a real heart's desire to walk more deeply with you and to each day of our lives that that would be expressed by how we live in every place, at home, school, work, wherever we are, that that would flow out of us because it's what you're doing inside of us. Dismiss us, God, and with your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.